your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Missouri in the backfield from the 23-yard line. Snap back, play action, back to throw as Martinez has some time. Sets guns to the end zone, open as J.D. Makes a catch! Touchdown, Nebraska! How about that? Symphony Dudon down the field. Martinez to J.D. Spielman. Sports Nightly during the holidays is presented by the Woodhouse Auto Family. With over 6,000 new and pre-owned vehicles in stock, visit woodhouse.com to browse the entire inventory. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Well, we're here, National Signing Day, day number one of two, but really, by far, the biggest day is Nebraska announces 21 new student-athletes on scholarship for football, 19 walk-on commitments also announced today by the Big Red, and by the way, that 21 number we anticipate is going to grow later tonight as there is an announcement coming up at 7 o'clock with another young man who we, we believe is going to be a Cornhusker. So I think by the end of the day, it is going to be 22 for Nebraska's recruiting class. Uh, pretty remarkable that this class is going to sit at 22. Um, eight days ago, we were sitting here. I was one of them, pretty nervous about where this thing was going as Nebraska was at 14. And all along, I kept being—I was being told this class would end up between 20 and 22, and that's what it's going to be. And Ben McLaughlin, by whether you go by 24/7 or Rivals, this is a top 20 class. That is remarkable, considering Nebraska's coming off three straight years where they did not qualify for a bowl game. Yeah, and I think you know from hearing from uh, the players, the the ones that we did hear from, and the and the coaches today, uh, I think when recruiting these young men, there were a couple of messages that that were constants uh, in every home, and a lot of these were we we need help now, and and if if you want to come and and make an impact right away, then th- this would be a place uh, for you to come do it, and I think that resonated with a lot of people uh, from the recruits and the signees that we heard from today. You know, coming coming in and playing right away, and amongst other things, um, was a big selling point for this staff. And I think, you know, in a broad sense, the uh, the feeling is that, at least from you know, according to the head coach, you know, when he was in different living rooms and different parts of the country, that a lot of these prospective student athletes and their parents could see this thing potentially turning. Uh, for the better, and and they could be a huge part of that. What a week, right? I mean, let's go back, and I, I'm going back to last Tuesday because I, I took a couple of days off at the end of the week, and I was nervous, and I think you were too. And we're sitting at 14, and it looks like it's going to get to 22. What a late finish. What a flourish by this group, and what a signing day. I don't remember a signing day for Nebraska being this active where so many guys picked Nebraska today. We had a couple in Miami who did that, and there was some drama about the particularly the one of them, Francois, who walked out of the gym twice. Um, I, I know there was a ton of pressure on that young man, Jaden Francois, a defensive back, to stay and play for the hometown Hurricanes. Um, he walked away from the presentation twice, left the gym. In fact, there were reports that he left the school for a while, um, made some phone calls, and Scott Frost did admit at the press conference earlier today 
that, yeah, he talked to him during all that period of time, but that he chose Nebraska. You had uh, a wide receiver in Marcus Fleming pick Nebraska today. You had a, another wide receiver in Chicago, Alante Brown, who did it on live on BTN earlier today, pick Nebraska. Ben, I just don't remember a signing day where a lot of these things, a lot of these things broke Nebraska's way. Yeah, I mean, there's really only three circumstances that you look at and you say, "Man, this is one that we either thought we'd get; it'd be nice to get." And and that you started out saying there by, you know, the anxious feeling, and I don't know how you how you couldn't help but feel that uh, at this time a week ago. I think when you're looking at the numbers best case scenario for uh where you're going to be at after this december signing period you know we were thinking maybe 18 or 19 would be best case scenario yet here we sit at 21 and by all accounts nebraska had a real shot for that number to be as high as 23 or, or 24 and and that's just incredible and i think that that was my big thing heading into the weekend and even early this week is, you know, where Nebraska is at commitment-wise, they're going to need to hit on a lot of kids on signing day. And as you said, you know, we haven't really been around one that has had this many yeses on this day. And I think historically that, that just made you nervous, knowing that you had to bat a real high percentage today to fill out the numbers that you did. And I know, you know, there are a lot of people probably around the Big Ten and, you know, other traditional college football powers that are kind of laughing at Nebraska right now uh, for a couple of four and eight seasons and now beating your chest for, uh, you know, thinking they're, they're sweet with a top 20 recruiting class. My retort to them is, well, what's the alternative? You know, if, the, if, if four or five of these guys don't come to Nebraska, then how would we be feeling right now? Uh, you would be really scraping to the bottom of the barrel. You know, if we're sitting here with 17 commits right now, and you're, you know, you're potentially seven or eight guys away from filling out your class, and, you know, you wake up tomorrow, you stand up out of bed, and 86% of the student-athletes have been spoken for. So the alternative is is just a horrible feeling. So I don't know if it's, you know, pounding our chest and hype so much as it is a necessity and, you know, you're putting yourself in a lot better situation than you would have been had some of these kids said no. But, uh, you know, overall, I think, you know, Nebraska would have loved to get the Robinson kid that, you know, ended up signing with Georgia. He was a Georgia commit, thought maybe they could flip him. A slusher, you know, was in the conversation with Kaden him, the four-star four who was at Oregon and eventually flipped to, to uh, Arkansas. And then, yeah, Caden Johnson was the, was the one of the first ones this morning as well. You know, those are really only the three guys that you felt like you had a good shot at right. um, that you didn't get. And I think that's a tremendous success rate considering all the yeses that they did get. And the biggest thing, Greg, is they addressed a lot of needs. They did. We, we've talked for months about wide receiver and linebackers, both inside and outside, were big needs. I think they did do a good job of that. I think they also kind of replenished the defensive line where they lose the Davis Twins and Darian Daniels off this team. I'm not all that concerned about that group because I like what I saw from the Ty Robinson toward the end of the year. I think there's a lot of upside to Moisai Newsom who redshirted this year for Nebraska and Ben Stilley's back. I think that that group's going to be fine going into 20 and 20. But 21 announced uh, signees today. We think it's again going to go to 22 before the night is over as there is a young man by Feldarius Payne, a junior college defensive lineman that is going to announce at 7 o'clock tonight. So we're going to be tracking that throughout the day. So that will grow the class to 22. But of those 22, Ben, 
10 of them, 10, almost 50% are four-star guys. This is a really high-quality group that Scott Frost and his staff brought in despite not having success on the field the last couple of years. Yeah, I think it's one away from a, a, a mark that hasn't been topped since the turn of the century. So it, it truly was uh, a great class in, in a sense of just overall ratings. I know a lot of people get caught up in the in the star system and uh, and uh, you know however they want to perceive the class based off that. But you know, I think the the ability to change kids' minds. And in a certain part of the country, to me, is the biggest deal. Not so much where Nebraska ended up with their overall recruiting rankings, not so much how many four-stars they had, but to get decommitments from schools like Miami in their home state and their own backyard and dream schools. You mentioned Francois. He committed to Miami twice, and, and Nebraska was able to pull him away. Um, Sean Green gets away from Florida yes, State. Yeah, I mean, I think that, that, that to me is the biggest thing is you start to make a dent in, in that – state in particular in florida where this coaching staff has had so much success had so much success rebuilding central florida with these same athletes in that same state you know you hope they can replicate that at nebraska you're going to need to recruit at a much higher level at nebraska than you did at ucf to get there but the fact that you're able to do that to get people to come away from uh florida to get from the weather to get from sec and acc country to come up to the big 10 I think is amazing, and and you know I think if you can continue that wave, if you can make yourself known in that part of the country, and and, and keep those established relationships with those powerhouse schools like Miami North Northwestern, that Nebraska was able to pull a few kids out of this year, um, South Dade High School. You know I think if you can make a living in that area, you're you're going to be pretty pretty set in terms of athletes and. It's not It's not a coincidence, Greg. There's a five-star linebacker that is a teammate with Delancey and Fleming, who is a top 25 athlete in, in the overall class, that took a photo and just said, go Big Red. Like that, It's obviously not he's committed or anything like that, but you think he's aware of Nebraska if those kids aren't committed here? The answer is no. So the fact that Nebraska's even on his radar right now and he's seeing teammates come up to Lincoln, you better believe that kid's at least open-minded to, to, to hear, out, hear out our coaches. So that's just an example. If you keep that ball rolling in a certain part of the country, there could be, there could be even some bigger and better diamonds to find later on. Can you tell we're smiling, folks? I mean, we are. I mean, th- this is a good day. We've had some tough times for Husker football, obviously, in the last couple of months. But today was a really good day. That Northwestern High School, by the way, did win this their state championship uh, in that um, in that classification down in the state of Florida. Let's go through, Ben, the young men who, who made the decision or at least announced their decision today that we didn't know. Let's start with Alante Brown, the wide receiver from the Chicago area. A little bit more of a smaller guy, would be more of a slot receiver for Nebraska, I think, moving forward. 5'11", 190 pounds. Some publications have him as a three-star. Some have him as a four-star. Your thoughts about Alante Brown? Alante Brown is a, is a great athlete. And, and the thing that, that I like about him is he's played multiple positions. He was a Wildcat quarterback. He was a running back. Uh, you know, you see his size at, at just 5'11", 190, but you, you watch his highlight. He's physical. He doesn't mind right. a little contact, and that's the thing that you worry about with some of those smaller players. You know, he, uh, the interesting thing about him, another side note, he's from Simeon High School, the, the same high school that produced Glenn Watson and, uh, uh, and Ed Morrow, uh, former Husker basketball players. But I think for me, the prep school, I think, did him, did him a, a really 
a, a big benefit for him going there and, and getting some different competition, getting away from home. Uh, and Nebraska able to pluck him away from some, some Big Ten schools and Ole Miss I think is great. And, and that's just what they need. They need – playmakers they need guys that can do both you know play that Wandale type role and I think Alante is certainly one of those guys he, he had been a Michigan State committed one time and and pulled it off the hats that were sitting in front of him when he made this announcement on BTN late this morning were Indiana Nebraska Maryland who Maryland by the way had a good day that's a side note to this whole thing in Michigan State but he picks Nebraska so Alante Brown was one of the late additions to this class he was number 20 actually for the day out of the 21 that announced during the day Let's then go to those Northwest High School young men, and let's start with Marcus Fleming staying on the offensive side of the ball. Wide receiver, same, really same size as Elante Brown at 5'11". This kid can really run. Yeah, he's fast. You know, I think the other thing about him is it's easy to slap label on guys, right? A slot guy, a fast guy, a route runner, a physical guy. I think he kind of encompasses a lot of those different things. Uh, I think he he hits on a lot of different areas, but you know speed is his big thing. He and his brother both. We were hearing stories from people over in Sports Information just about how fast these two kids are. He and his brother, but again, coming from Miami Northwestern, you know the athleticism is going to be there. This is kind of the, the athlete that you think of, Greg. When you, we thought Coach Frost was going to be here, and you're, he were going to assemble an offense with some personnel and what these types of guys are looking at. This is what you imagine. This is this is the type of player you saw at UCF on the field when that team went undefeated. Hopefully, Fleming can come in and contribute right away and use that speed and um, you know cause mismatches for some defenses. So he he was one of the last. His teammate is Ronald Delancey. He had already committed to Nebraska and he followed through with that. He's a defensive back from that same high school. Really small. Ronald's probably with as much depth and competition as Nebraska is going to have in their secondary. You got to believe Ronald's probably headed to a red shirt uh, for there. All right, let's get into a couple of Scott Frost clips from today's press conference before we hit our next break. We're going to just start with his overall view of this class. I'm really excited about this class. Um, I think the thing that excited me the most was uh, flying around the country for the last two weeks, getting in homes with these guys and seeing what type of kids they are, what kind of personalities they have. Um, best thing about them is they, they love football. They love the game. Um, they're excited. They want to be at Nebraska. Uh, I would walk out almost every house and say, you know, we got the chance to win a lot of games with, with kids like this coming to the program. Travis Fisher's name popped up a bunch all day today because of all of the young men from the state of Florida that, that chose Nebraska. The Huskers signed seven young guys from the state of Florida. That is amazing. That is a huge territory for Travis Fisher. Here's the head coach talking about Travis Fisher's work. T. Fish, I, I got to tell you, um, every year there's a, a superstar on our staff in recruiting. Um, th this year, he's one of the top guys. Uh, he has a lot of relationships down in Florida from his time there, uh, both in North Florida where he grew up and, and down south where he's recruited for a long time. Um, he knocked it out of the park this year, and um, that's really valuable for a football team to have a coach that, that can go out of state like that and, and bring in the type of talent that he brought in. Stretched to think that Travis Fisher might be in line for a race. Oh, man. I, I was thinking that today when Coach Frost was going through that that cut today at the press conference. I'm just thinking if ever there was a time for him to go get plucked off by somebody else as a D.C. or jump in someone's staff, I mean, th this is as hot of a guy as you could get right now. 
not only in terms of his recruiting, Greg, but look at the production that he's gotten and the turnaround in his room just from the coaching on-field perspective. I don't know that there's an argument to be made for anybody else that's done as good of a job with the players that he's had than Travis Fisher. I mean, if there's any extra dollars laying around that football budget, just give it to him. Just just whatever's left, just give it to the guy because – uh, as Coach said, he's, he's worked his tail off, and if there was an MVP assistant coach for the year, he would get it. Can you imagine the competition in that room? Oh Not gosh. just for next year, but for the next year and the next year. It is stacked back there. I mean, and, and don't forget that Travis Fisher is the guy that says, I'm going to recruit people to take your job. He does I'm, say that. I'm going to find somebody that's going to steal your job. So Cam Taylor-Britt, DiCaprio Boodle, Markel Dismuke, you guys better get to work because I'm going to find people that are better than you. Braxton Clark, I mean, and you can go on and on. You how about can... all these red shirts? Noah Polagates. I mean, how, think about what we were saying about the secondary this time last year with Quentin Newsom and uh, you know Miles Farmer, Noah Polagates. I mean, we were we were probably most excited about the secondary. I still like Miles Farmer. I still like him. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, we mentioned in the opening segment about junior college influence with this class, maybe. We can make a case for this, none bigger than Omar Manning. And he came to terms with Scott Frost. Ryan Held flew down there on Friday to see him. He was at Kilgore Junior College. Uh, His junior college coach says, this is a guy we're going to watch on Sundays. Uh, This is that big-bodied wide receiver that we haven't had for quite a while, 6'4", 225. Here's the coach talking about Omar Manning. Omar, I'm really excited about. Um, You know, we all year we kind of wished we were were a little more productive uh, at our outside receiver spot, and that's one place where we thought we wanted a guy that could come in and and potentially help us right away. Um, There wasn't a better guy in the country, in my opinion, uh, for what we were looking for than him. Uh, He he looks different than anybody I've ever coached and uh, has tape to match, so uh, I'm really excited to get him. Uh, He's got a little work to do yet before he gets to campus, but uh, I think he has a chance to, to change our offense. Uh, have you applied for an office in the Omar Manning fan club? Uh, I'm actually the head of the fan club, and I'm I'm still sending out invitations to join. You just you you just go to the size, right? I mean, six four two thirty. That that's just that's all I need right now on the field at Nebraska as an outside receiver, a big body guy that can just go get it. He's physical. Uh, we've talked about him a lot this last week, and, and rightfully so. Um, man, you just hope that he's ready to go in all the other areas, you know, academically, physically, mentally, and, and it's just a matter of just getting him on the field and getting him the playbook. You, you hope it's that simple with him because if it is, he's going to come and do some damage right away. And also, and, and I don't have the clip pulled aside, but a pretty strong endorsement today from the head coach, toward J.D. Spielman, and there's been a lot, a lot of smoke out there about whether J.D. was still going to be a part of this program, but the head coach made it pretty darn clear today talking about J.D.'s got a chance to be a record setter here. I'm excited about coaching him. He's tough. He's made play after play after play for us in the two years. Did that surprise you at all that he was that strong in support of J.D.? I I think it was calculated, especially how he started that clip by saying, I'm excited to coach JD for one more year to kind of just put the nail in the coffin on that now you know who knows what what's going to be you know the last chapter written in JD's book at Nebraska I don't know but at least to come out and have that type of support from your head coach should say a lot and and who knows maybe this class alone 
was enough to keep JD here. Whatever it was that he was fighting or rumored to be fighting in his own head, um, you know, or maybe whatever was missing at Nebraska that maybe somewhere else had, maybe this class was enough to say Nebraska now has that, and I want to finish up here. I'm okay watching him play for one more year. Yes. For Sally here on a Wednesday night, the day of the first of two national signing days for college football. The other one will be the traditional February one, which isn't going to have a whole lot of interest around here. There's not many spots left for Nebraska. And here to kind of recap it all for us is Nate Klaus of HuskerOnline.com. Let's just start your thoughts about this 22-person class that got announced today. Uh, really impressive. I mean, Nebraska, I feel like they set out early on in this recruiting cycle with a definite plan. And they had guys uh, that they knew they really, really wanted in this class kind of earmarked at the top of their board. And while it maybe didn't come together as quickly as they would have liked, it it still came together for the most part. And and we've just seen a flurry of activity here really since, uh, since the contact period began following the end of the season and they closed really strong. Uh, and we saw that even play out today uh, with how they kind of closed out with, uh, with their final additions uh, to, this, to this early signing period. So, um, I mean, if, if I'm grading this class, uh, I'm, I'm probably, you know, giving it, a, giving it an A. Uh, you know, especially if, you know, there's a couple guys that may be on the fence academically. You know, if, if a Xavier Betts for sure qualifies – uh, this is this in my in my opinion is is definitely an A class. You mentioned Xavier Betts. What, what is the status there? Is it an academic deal with him right now? Yeah, and that's and that's why he did not sign today is because uh, there are still some questions surrounding his academic status. He's got a little bit of work to do yet. Uh, I believe he is on track, and I think that it's very likely that he does end up making it. But Nebraska has to be careful because if he did sign today and then let's say something happens to where he doesn't qualify academically, then the, the Huskers are on the hook for, for that scholarship. Uh, you know, you get 25 initial scholarships per cycle. And, and if you have someone sign a letter of intent, uh, you know, whether they make it to campus or not, that counts as one of your 25. And, and when you're Scott Frost and, and this coaching staff trying to maximize your roster and, and all your available spots, you have to be pretty careful, um, you know, to, to make sure that, that you don't have a, a wasted spot like that. So that's why he didn't sign today. Uh, but you know he's a very special player, and, and like I said, I think he's on track. And, and I would I would think that he'll sign in February, and, and uh, more than likely be on campus uh, at some point in the summer. Well, thanks for clearing that up because I know people have been having some questions about that throughout the day today. Another guy, Nate, that has shown up on commitment boards but didn't sign today was Junior Ao. What's the story there? Yeah, you know that that's probably maybe the biggest question surrounding. Um, surrounding the day as far as who's in and who's not or, or why someone, you know, did or did not sign today. Now, Junior Ejo, um, you know, he's, he's the, the international football player from France uh, that committed to Nebraska, um, you know, the I think right before Thanksgiving. 
Um, and I think that, you know, he committed without taking an official visit. He's not graduating until May. And so I, I think that, you know, he's another one of those players. I think Nebraska uh, just wanted to, to kind of make sure uh, that they were, they were good with him or, or they were, you know, they may even uh, move in a different direction, uh, you know, before, you know, having his name be a part of, of that, that 25 man uh, scholarship limit. So, um, I would not be surprised, given how Nebraska closed on on a, a handful of other players today. I wouldn't be surprised if, if maybe we see him go a different direction. Okay, very good. Nate Klaus with us from Husker Online. We're recapping Nebraska's national signing day to the 22 signatures uh, received at the football office today. You've covered Husker football recruiting for more than a decade. Have you ever seen a closing day like this and the hit rate that Nebraska accumulated just today? Yeah, it's funny. I was just having this conversation with uh, with some of my coworkers at Husker Online. I, I don't think I have, uh, especially with the, the quality of players that they landed today. Uh, and, and, and then you factor in where they pulled these guys out of. Uh, I mean, to go into Miami and pull two highly ranked four-star players uh, out of Miami away from the hometown Hurricanes, away from Florida State, Florida, you know, these are guys that had offers from every school in the state of Florida, plus, you know, 20, 20 plus other schools across the country. Uh, so for them to be able to do that on signing day uh, is pretty remarkable. And, and I don't know that I've, I've seen uh, a coaching staff close like this on, on a signing day. It's, and, and if they have, um, I don't think it was the same caliber of player uh, or it may be as difficult as some of the, the guys that they snagged. Um, you know, Marcus Fleming out of Miami Northwestern High School and, and Jaden Francois uh, you know, out of South Dade High School there in Miami. Uh, these, are, these are two guys that, you know, pretty much every top program in the country was after uh, at one point or another. And, and Travis Fisher was able to, to go in there and, and really – sealed the deal with both these guys and get their signatures today. Travis Fisher, clearly the star right now, isn't he, Nate, on this staff? He just with seven guys signing today from the state of Florida. That's usually a, that's a big area for him to recruit. This guy looks like a rock star coach right now, doesn't he? Yeah, he really does. I mean, between Travis Fisher and Ryan Hill, uh, the, those two guys accounted for about 80% of of uh, the, the signees that Nebraska got today, uh, and especially in the state of Florida. I mean, um, you talk about a turnaround there. They, Nebraska went from signing nobody out of the state of Florida in last year's class to seven guys in this year's class, and, and Travis Fisher was responsible for pretty much all those guys, and uh, you know, and, and you're talking about players from the Panhandle of, of Florida, like uh, uh, Keyshawn Green out of Crawfordville, uh, Florida, which is, I mean, Crawfordville is kind of the, the back country of, of Florida. So Travis Fisher was able to, to go into uh, an area like that where, where he's originally from. Plus, he's able to go into kind of inner city Miami and get those guys out of there uh, and, and everywhere in between. I, it was Really, really impressive what Travis Fisher was able to accomplish today. Uh, again, not just the number of, of commits, but the caliber of guys as well. Probably not much work left to do in February. You mentioned the bets is kind of hanging out there, and that may be added to this class. Would you anticipate just this staff kind of turning their attention to 2021 when they get back from the holidays? 
Yeah, that, that's definitely going to be, I, I think, their main area of focus. Um, you know, there are a couple open scholarships that they can uh, can use if they want to. I think that we'll see them kind of explore the transfer portal uh, with with at least one or two of those spots. And, and they may entertain bringing in a high school defensive end yet. Uh, you know, just this past weekend, they had uh, Tanoa Tagawai visit, um, who's a, a, high, a 6'6", 270-pound high school defensive end, actually out of the state of Idaho, uh, which is not typically a place you see the Huskers go, but he's a very intriguing player. Uh, and there's a couple other high school DNs that, that Tony Tuioti is after out of the state of California. So they may elect to go with a high school DN, or they may elect to go um, maybe try to address some additional needs through the transfer portal. All right. I mean, what a day. I mean, this is a day Husker yeah. fans should feel good about. I think this staff really accomplished a lot. You gave them an A. I, I, don't, I don't know that I could argue with that. I think this is a pretty good day for the future of this program. And you have to stack these classes one on top of the other. To me, it looks like last year's class is going to be pretty good. If this group kind of lives up to their billing, the Husker football may be on to something, don't you think? Absolutely, Greg. And, and that's the thing about it is, Nebraska signed a top 15 class or top 20 class. I think it did end up as the number 15 class in the country last year. And as things stand right now on Rivals.com, they have the number 18 class. They're only just a couple points away from being the number 16 class in the country. Uh, and to put that in perspective, uh, Nebraska hasn't signed two top 20 classes in back-to-back years since Bill Callahan did it in 2005, 2006. Uh, so it's been a long time since the Huskers have stacked uh, highly rated classes uh, in back-to-back seasons. And, and Frost has been able to come in and do that, uh, you know, with some you know subpar results on the football field. And uh, I think that gives a little excitement, too. I mean, if they can close this well uh, coming off of a, of a somewhat disappointing season, uh, it's going to be exciting to see what they can do when, when this thing really gets rolling. Yeah, very good. Nate, as always, great stuff. Appreciate the insight, and uh, we'll, let you, we'll leave you alone for a while. Enjoy your holidays. All right, you too, Greg. Have a good one. All right, let's get it off. Going with Buy Sell. It's time to buy or sell. Buy sell is brought to you by Famous Dave's, your perfect catering choice for business lunches, meetings, weddings, parties, and more. Treat your guests to authentic smoked daily barbecue, made from scratch sides, and award-winning desserts. Famous Dave's, we do catering right. Now here's the hosts of Buy or Sell, Brett Witte and Josh Hilkeman. Well, here we are again with this version of Buy or Sell. It's been a few weeks since we did this. It was late November, last Wednesday of November, that we played Buy or Sell with this combo. And uh, I was looking ahead earlier today, guys, and I think this is going to be the last time that we uh, ask questions here in season whatever season 12 of, of buy sell so yeah we're, we've got some holidays coming up right. and then some vacations coming up so yeah it's going to be a while before we're back at this right so looking ahead it'll be january 22nd is the next time that it, that will be when we crown the champion of season 12 so oh boy season 12 just just so you guys can get get you know in gear get ready to go for these last few questions that will determine the winner of season 12 but we start with some answers, and we have a lot of them, a lot of future questions that were wrapped up 
over the last couple of weeks. And we start with a Husker football future question that was asked back on June 12th. And it asked buy or sell that Nebraska would average 35 points per game in the 2019 season or outscore their opponents by at least eight points per game. And that included any postseason. But the answer was a sell. Only The Huskers only scored 28 points per game and only outscored their opponents by 0.2 points per game. You guys both bought it, and you were both incorrect. Mm. Yeah. That hype will get you. Yeah, got us. Guilty. Yeah. All right. Sticking with football, a little Big Ten football future question. This one was asked back on July 17th by sell that the top four teams in the Big Ten West would be Nebraska, Iowa, Wisconsin, and Northwestern in no particular order, and that one of those teams would finish in that predicted spot. That ended up being a sell. Uh, Minnesota and Illinois replaced Nebraska, Northwestern on that list. You guys both sold and both were correct. There are a lot of parts to that that needed yeah. to go right. <laughs> None right. of them happened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not, not one of those teams finished in the predicted order. Northwestern was, even in the was top yucky four. this yes, year. Not great. All right. Uh, sticking with uh, or going back to Husker football, a future question asked on July 24th. Buy or sell that Mo Berry would lead Nebraska in tackles again this season and would total more than he did last season. And it was that and that got it. He was a set, It was a sell because he did lead the team in tackles but only had 89. He had 112 last year, so he came up short of that and. And you guys both bought it, and you were both wrong. What was the number he needed? He needed 112. He only had 89. 112. But he did lead the team. So mm-hmm. that the first part of it was a buy, but didn't quite I don't get usually it. buy those two parts. I know what you What the don't. heck am I doing? I don't know. Uh-huh. <laughs> we'll have to go back and listen to that and see what your what your logic was. Because I'm when sure was that one asked? That was July 24th. July 24th. Right around media days. Wow. There you go. All right, another college football answer from August 28th by sell that the Big Ten division winners go undefeated in their non-conference games. That ended up being a bye. Ohio State and Wisconsin both went undefeated in non-con. Greg, you bought that and got it right. Ben, you were incorrect with the sell. Yeah, I even remember selling that, but I don't know why I did that. <laughs> I don't either. All right, let's move on. We have well, back in August. You probably thought Nebraska was going to win the West, right? I don't know. Did you think maybe they lose to Colorado? Maybe, maybe. maybe. Yeah. Who knows? There's no telling what was going on in my head. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> answering that question. That's what I was going to say. You just got back from, from Hawaii, Hawaii yeah. and Italy, and all that stuff. It was a tough time for Ben. Yeah, it was a rough part of my life. Yeah. Uh, a couple more future answers here. Uh, this one from the NFL on October 9th. This question was asked by ourselves that the winner of the Redskins Dolphins game would finish <laughs> with at least three wins in the regular season. <laughs> That's right. The Redskins won that game 17 to 16. It was a real slugfest there. And the answer ended up being a bye because the Redskins beat the Lions and the Panthers later in the season. So they got to three wins. The Dolphins actually yeah, had three yeah. wins too. How about, yeah, that? How about Gre- that? Greg, you bought it and right Ben wrong again with a sell. How funny is it that, <laughs> like, you think about where that we were when oh that question goodness. was asked. The Dolphins were in the conversation for worst NFL oh, team ever. 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 Like, even worse than that winless Lions team. They like, just really like ever. turned it around. And now all of a sudden they just got Ryan Fitz magic back there. They just don't care. They're like, <laughs> screw getting the first overall yeah, pick. We're, we're coming for that five-win season. <laughs> Love it. All right. Uh, one last. Hi, Brett. 
Hi, Brett. Right What's up, Brett? Yeah, hey, guys. Okay. Yeah, the, the niceties were, were uh, passed Missing. over here. Yeah, um, I know. Usually we, we welcome you. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. You know, the, the intro did enough. We were uh, just so excited to start hearing answers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, we're all, a little short all, on time anyway. So. All Ben's wrong ones, you know. Yeah, there it is. The last the last uh, future answer that we'll have this week coming from Husker football. This one was asked back on November 13th, so not too long ago. But buy or sell that Nebraska would hold two of their next three opponents under 30 points. Uh, that ended up being a bye. They held Maryland to 7 and Iowa to 24. Greg, you bought that and got it right, Ben. You were incorrect for the sell. I don't know what I was thinking. Yeah. But, great, yeah, you, you got it right. And See, and you have no – you can't you, you can't blame that on your vacations. You were months removed from those when you I answered know. that one. That's three in a row, for anyone counting, three in a row that Greg has gotten right and Ben, Ooh, ben has baby. gotten wrong. So, baby. Big move being made here by Greg Sharp. Let's move on to questions that we asked last time we played on, I believe it was November 27th, and uh, some answers there, starting with Husker football, by ourselves that there would be at least five sacks recorded in the Nebraska-Iowa game from both teams. That was a sell. There were only two in the game, and both by A.J. Epinesa. You guys both sold that, and you were both right. Okay. Back on the track. You yeah. are. Yep. yep. There you go. Rolling again. All right, another Husker football answer by ourselves. that Nebraska would make at least 46 yards worth of field goals versus Iowa. It was close, but it was a sell. They only made 41 yards worth of field goals. You guys both bought it and were both incorrect. Mm. I think we were thinking there would be two, and two yeah. would add up over the top of it. Yeah, yeah. All, all, he needed, all we needed was one more from the Huskers, and that would have got it since the one was 41 yards, so... There you go. Uh, Husker Volleyball up next. By ourselves that Nebraska would earn a spot on the left side of the NCAA tournament bracket. <laughs> the answer was a bye. The lower left part in the Madison Regional is where the Huskers landed. Ben, you bought it and were right. Greg, you're wrong with a sell. You thought the right side. Ha. Huh. I did. I thought Nebraska would be. <laughs> I don't know what you were thinking. Left side, strong no, side, baby. I thought they would be the six or the seven seed, which yeah, would be on the other side. Been, yep. They ended up being the five seed. They were. I wish they'd have been the six. That, they would have got kicked out of that read. They wouldn't yes, have gone to Madison. Exactly. Huskers would still be playing right now, probably, if they Whoa, were six or seven. Hot take. Hot take. All right. Sticking uh, one another Husker volleyball answer by ourselves that Nebraska would be at least plus 30 in the first and second round of the NCAA tournament. That ended up being a buy there, plus 43. You guys both bought it and were both correct. They included losing a set to Missouri, but they were, yeah, were they probably, weren't they pretty close after beating Ball State? Yeah, they were very close. I think they were at like 28 or something yeah. like that. So they won a set, or they might have even been over 30 in that, in that one because they won the. They won one of those sets by 15. Wow. 25-10 against Ball State. So That's a large margin. They, yeah, they handled Ball State pretty easy. Uh, let's move to another sport and a Husker basketball combo question. By ourselves, the Nebraska men's and women's basketball would combine for at least 20 three-pointers through December 7th. That was five games, a five-game stretch, two games for men's basketball and three for women's basketball. That was an easy, easy buy. They combined for 39 threes, wow. so almost, almost doubled, doubled what we asked, and you guys were, were right on top of it. You both bought it, and we're both right. Good. Glad I didn't get that one wrong. <laughs> You're on a little roll now. That, yeah. I'm not making up any ground, though. Back to the answer. That that uh, <laughs> included 12 threes in the game for the women against Duke. And the, the men's uh, top score was against Creighton, believe it or not. They had nine threes in that game. So, Wouldn't have guessed that. No. 
Shooting's been better. I mean, proving right. some wrong that said this was a bad shooting team. All right, switching back over to a college football by ourselves that the Ohio State-Michigan game would have more points in it than the Auburn-Alabama game. That was a sell. The Auburn-Alabama game had 93 points, while the Ohio State-Michigan game had 83, both extremely high scoring. <laughs> but that was a sell. Ben, you sold that and got it right. Ben, you were in, or Greg, you were incorrect with a buy. So what, Ben, four What straight. if I told you that Ohio State-Michigan would have 83? Yeah, I know. Seriously. And they'd be outscored by 10 yeah. by Auburn, Alabama. Yeah. I know. How crazy is that? When I, when I was looking at this answer earlier today, for some reason I forgot about what happened in the Auburn, Alabama game, or at least what the score was. Yeah, so I 45. added up Ohio State, Michigan, and I was like, oh, 83. That's easily, like, that's way more than what Auburn, Alabama would have. And then I added it up, and I was like, oh, never mind. Ooh, nope. <laughs> nope. Sorry. <laughs> that's insane. That's crazy. Uh, Sticking with college football here, buy or sell that a top five team in the college football playoff poll would be beat uh, that week that we asked the question. So it was the last week of the regular season, and the answer was a buy. We, the aforementioned Auburn-Alabama game, Auburn beat number five, Alabama, 48-45. to 45. And, Greg, you bought it and were correct. Ben wrong with a sell. Greg, you tried to call your shot and say that it was Ohio State that would be beat, and that didn't happen, but you still got it right. Man, no a bonus lot of faith point. in Bama. You did. It was a good football game. Too. It was. Yep. All right. One last college football answer by ourselves that a Power 5 conference title game would, would be decided by three points or less. That was a sell. Uh, the Big 12 had the closest one. That, uh, the Baylor and Oklahoma was a seven-point margin. Overtime of victory game. Overtime. Overtime. Yeah. Greg, you sold that, though, and got it right. Ben, you bought it and were incorrect. I took a gamble. You did. I, I thought it was uh, you said Pac-12. Pac-12. Shoot for Pac-12, yeah. Yep. yep. No, none no of them dice. were really that close. But no, honestly, no one, someone forgot to tell Utah they were supposed to play a football yeah, game. That didn't, yeah, that didn't show. Oh, the overtime game could have worked. The overtime could have worked in your favor. Yeah, yeah it could have yeah. been a field goal that was it was decided by, but it was not. All right, two more answers here, both from the NFL. By or sell that there would be at least 131 points scored in the three Thanksgiving games. The answer was a sell, but there was a tight line, 129. So oh, my gosh. Oh, my. Short. Uh, you guys were both sharp on this one, though. You both sold it and were both right. Ooh, what a man. line. What a great line. Good work. Well, I mean, we we're you can thank Vegas for that. We literally just added up the over-unders. But. Don't give away your secrets. <laughs> Take <laughs> the credit. <laughs> sure Vegas didn't call you guys? Yeah, well, maybe. <laughs> maybe they should start. Oh, boy. All right, well, we'll wrap up this second-to-last set of uh, answers for you with another NFL answer by or sell that there would be at least 15 penalties in the Browns-Steelers game on Sunday <laughs> whenever this was asked. That was a buy. It was exactly 15 oh penalties. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Uh, and you guys both ended up selling that, so both got it wrong. Fifteen penalties, right yeah. on the nose. Are you kidding? I think one five. of the teams had eleven. It was ten and five. Ten and five. Was. Okay, yep. so <laughs> that's insanity. Yeah, nuts. And that, and that was more than in the game that the, all the mayhem happened. With, yeah, yeah, like nothing My, crazy happened. No, nothing no. crazy. It was just two bad teams just getting penalized. So here's a question for everybody. I know if Tim were here, he'd be yelling at me, but is yeah. Baker Mayfield's showing up on a lot of commercials and stuff. So many commercials. Does he get thrown off after this year? I mean, he's kind of crashed mm. and burned. I'm surprised yeah. they haven't pulled some of those. I'm honestly. with you, Brad. I, the progressive one's a little weird because he's like doing stuff around the stadium and he might end up being a stadium worker if he doesn't improve oh, his quarterback. Man. Oh. The, the smoke detector one is pretty good, though. The one it where is. he's checking the smoke detector. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, funny. That's pretty good. 
All right, so, uh, Greg, you made up some major ground here. You were 10 of 16 on the week. Wow. And, Ben, you were 7 of 16. Jeez. And so going in, Ben, you had a two-point lead, and Jeez. now it's reversed. Oh. Now Greg is up by one going into it's this fine. last week of questions. I, I play better from behind. What a That's great week. 40 Pressure, to 39. Brett. I like that was a good week. That was, that was <laughs> just a good overall. No, Obje- no active rooting back here. Objectively, that was a good week. I, I, that's so. fine. I play, I'm a fourth-quarter player. I play better from behind. I've, I've heard about the 14-point comeback, yeah. So to set up how we're going to do this, there are, there are several questions. We're not going to make anybody go first just because that would be yeah. – it's, it's one a one-point point. One point margin. Yeah, also, be. something that we're going to try that's a little bit new this year is we're going to anticipate, in, in the case of a tie, we have a tiebreaker at the end of this that we'll ask and we'll use it if necessary. So, Very good. There you go. All right, let's jump into this. These questions, and there are a couple here that will not be necessarily answered right away or for the next time, and so this one will not be. It's a Husker football future question. By or sell that at least six of the 21 scholarship players announced at today's press conference play in the 2020 season opener. So not including uh, Fidarius Payne, who was announced tonight. Six of the 21 play in the opener. Yes, Man, that's a really good line. But I think it's a shade high. I'm going to sell it. Okay. The only reason I'm selling is because it's a conference game. This isn't Akron or, you know, Tennessee State, East-West, Tech, A&M. It's not a game where you think you're going to win by 50 and get your freshman in. Yep. All All right. Moving on, uh, Husker men's basketball buyer sell that a Nebraska player records another triple-double this season or a player scores 40 points in a game, and that's postseason included. Man, there's only been one that's happened in the entire history of the men's program. And now it's possible they broke the... Yeah, I'm going to sell it. It's just in in 40 points, I don't think there's that guy on the team this year. Okay. 40 is not going to happen. The triple-double can max a threat to do that every night, but you're right. Odds would say, since it's never happened in 100-plus years, mm-hmm. that it's not going to happen twice. So I'm going to sell it. Okay. I don't feel great about it, but I'm going to sell it. There you go. All right, we move on to Husker women's basketball. By or sell that Nebraska averages at least 72 points in their first seven Big Ten games. And that'll take us up right before the next time we play. Next couple of games are at home. Um, this tempo's fast. I'm going to buy that. Okay. 72. Yeah. They've proven that they can they can score up into the 70s and 80s and even 90, I think, against uh, Missouri earlier this year. But overtime. What they did overtime. in Indiana. Yeah. But that was an overtime game, too. Duke, they got. Eight You're talking. Eight. We're talking about the women here. Yeah, this is women. Oh. <laughs> Does that change your answer, Greg? So the next seven games that includes the Jasper's game on. No, Sunday? it's a uh, Big Ten game. Big Ten games. seven Big Ten games. Yeah, can I change? I'm yes. going to sell that. All right. I thought we were talking men's hoops. Um. Man, I think it's just a touch high. I'm going to sell. Okay. All right. Uh, transitioning to a little college football here, buyers sell that there will be at least 2,350 points scored in the 40 bowl games and the national championship game. 
2,300 something. 2,350 divided by 41 would be the calculation that you'd need to do. I don't have a calculator handy, so I'm just going to go Your off phone? my guesstimation. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm always rooting for points, baby. I'm buying. All, All right. right. Love it. 41 games? Yes. Yes. What do you got there, Professor 95 Sharp? per game. What? Hmm. Is that right? 2,000? 2,350. 95 per game? There's no chance. Divided by 41 games. Oh, never mind. 57 points. Oh, I was going to say, what am I doing? I didn't even do the game. <laughs> I just give you the give I, you I, I was very worried about my math. <laughs> Yikes. I punched the wrong button on my calculator. Oh, <laughs> no, you mean Nate? I think I see, put 20. See, Nate, Nate does long division. division yeah. He, I've, I've, I've witnessed no, him two he different not. times. Yes, he does. Two different times. Yes, he does. Do long division <laughs> during this segment. All right, so Ben, you're sticking with a bye. Yes. Okay. <laughs> 57 is reasonable. <laughs> yeah, I can do that. I couldn't do double that. <laughs> Are there 100 points scored per game in the Bulls? Oh Each um, team needs to score 60 a night for me to have a shot. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I'm going to buy it, too. Okay. Very good. Staking with college football by our cell that a Power 5 conference wins 85% or more of their bowl games, excluding the national championship. Cell. Whoa. <laughs> wow. We're not even looking at the matchups. Give me it again. 85% or more uh, that a Power 5 conference wins of their bowl games. And the problem is, and in, in goes against why I sold it, too. A lot of Power 5s are playing each other, so mm, yes. one's going to win. But yes. that's only 50%. I kind of feel like I got well, a... That, yeah, that a single Power 5. So, Correct. for example, yeah. like the SEC wins 85% of their games. But 85 is a ton. It is. But there's there's at least one opportunity that I see based on the odds, the spreads, that it could happen. Okay, hang on here. Greg was a quick sell. Um, so, like, if 11 teams made it, you'd need to hit what? 9 of 11? That's not even good enough. I got to sell it. So let, me, so, let me make sure the question's right. So, let's just use, like, the SEC, for example. Yeah. Okay, they have, what, 11, 10 teams in there? Yeah. So they need to win 9 of 10? Yeah. No, I'm selling. All right. What, what's the conference you're thinking of? Not giving it away. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Well, we're sticking with college football here by ourselves that the quarterbacks of the national champion team totals at least 800 offensive yards in the semis and national championship game. Give me the numbers again. The... 800 offensive yards from the quarterback of the national champion or quarterbacks in case someone gets hurt. <sighs> That's a lot. It's a lot of flipping yards. It's a lot of good quarterbacks in yes. these games. Who do you think? I, I would start with who, you're, who do you think Who's is going to win? win? 
Eight hundo. <laughs> I gotta sell. Yeah. Have we been different at all? No, yeah. you haven't. We haven't? Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I thought we were earlier, but maybe not on one that no. counts for the season. But You haven't been on any of them, even I, the one that I'm selling, count. too. I just think eight's a little on the high side. I could see Burrow going for 350 in one game and 310 in another, but that's far short of 800. All right, let's move on. We have two questions left. Ben, you have to be different on one of them. Buy or sell that the sum of the seeds in the Super Bowl is five or higher. So the two teams in the Super Bowl that the their seed going into the playoffs is five or higher. So five, six, seven would be a buy. Four, three, two would be a sell. This is the, this is the one for me to be different on. So I'm selling. Good, I'm buying. Ben's buying. Perfect. Also, I th- there's at least one question that will probably be answered. That's a future question uh, still on the board that will probably be answered. I'm not sure if you're different on it or not. But. All right. Uh, another NFL question here by ourselves that a team wins a playoff game by at least 34 points or a game is decided by one point. Good question. NFL playoff? NFL playoffs. Yep. 34 or one? 34 or one. So, so, give me, give me the field. Give the field. Um, There's two, ten games. Two to thirty-three. <laughs> ten games to have that happen. I, I'm gonna sell too. I just think that's too many other number combinations. I don't think anybody gets beat that bad. A playoff game. All right. Shoot. So I can't win. No, you can. There's some the future. Former questions that have right. Well, uh, or if on the the other NFL one, so if you get that right and Greg gets it wrong, then you'll you would have the tiebreaker. But yeah, you cannot win outright unless there's a, a future question. Oh, there better be. All right. Well, let's ask the tiebreaker question. If case, in case that comes into play, uh, so basically how this is going to work, uh, Greg, you're going to set a line, and Ben, you're going to go over under that line. So, Greg, the total. Net offensive yards in the college football national championship game. Ooh. Offensive yards between the two teams. You set the over-under. Ben, you go over-under that number. 930. All right. Ben? Under. Under for all the marbles. Ooh. Under 930. <laughs> Love it. Boom. There it is. If it's, what if it's like 932 or something <laughs> like that? <laughs> No, you know what it's gonna. You know it's gonna. It's gonna be nine. It's gonna be nine thirty one, and the winning te- team's gonna kneel down <laughs> minus you two, and I'm gonna win. There you go. He's called a shot. Call him a, a shot. shot. Love it. How about that? Our countdown of the top ten broadcast games that we broadcast here on the Oscar Sports Network during 2019. We've made it now to number eight. The Sports Nightly top ten moments of the year. Left side for the match. Maddie Kubik. She got him. They did it. Nebraska beats Penn State. It's fine. Measuring it, waiting for it. He gloves it, and the Huskers have beaten number three, Texas Tech, here in Frisco, Texas tonight. Holy cow, the Magnificent Seven comes through in Chicago. Nebraska has become the fifth program in the history of college football to win 900 all-time games. Number eight. Heidi has Garrido Perez all over her. Sam with a dribbling exhibition right in front of us. Ten, nine, eight. Sam Hybe goes the layup. Good! Sam Hybe gives Nebraska a four-point lead. Timeout Minnesota. 19.5 seconds to go. That's the home girl from Minnesota getting it done. 
We go back to last January, the 20th of January. Nebraska taking on the 23rd ranked Gophers of Minnesota. Matt Cody joins us now. He was on the call for this game. Take me back. Take me down memory lane. What do you remember this game? Well, you know, Minnesota was ranked, and Nebraska hadn't beat a ranked team. And, you know, Lindsey Whalen was the new coach for Minnesota. Got handed a pretty good team uh, when she took over that program. Pretty ugly game the first half. Neither team could hit a three until a lightly used player named Irene Garrido Perez nailed a, a late buzzer-beating three to give Minnesota a one-point lead at the half. And then it really looked like Minnesota had control of the game, but it was all Nebraska in the fourth quarter. Nicia Liley just dominated defensively. She had four steals in the fourth quarter. Taylor Kissinger hit a big three to start the fourth quarter. The first three Nebraska hit of the game, and then Amy Williams switched in the second half to a 1-3-1 zone that really shut Minnesota down, held them without a field goal for about the last four minutes. Uh, but it was the defense. And then you heard Sam Hybe just was amazing for that freshman from Moorhead, Minnesota, against her home state school. Uh, but it was exciting. It was uh, it really looked like the Huskers had no chance in that through three quarters. But uh, Taylor Kissinger had a big block. She had just an exciting three in the middle of that. And the Huskers came back and won at 63-57. And got out-rebounded, Greg, if you can believe this. Got out-rebounded by 19 and mm. still won that game. Well, I just I remember listening to you guys, and it, just that fourth quarter, like a switch got flipped, and the Huskers just turned into a different team and had that this roaring comeback, which those are so fun to be a part of. And I know the folks in, in attendance for that night walked out of there feeling pretty good. They did. Um, again, I, I just really think that was a team effort. And Nicaea Eliley had several games in which she just dominated the – the fourth quarter, that was one of them. Her defense was uh, just outstanding. But I remember the switch to the 1-3-1 zone really turned that game around for Amy Williams. And uh, it was just a fun game to be a part of it. It it was a fun fourth quarter. I don't know about the rest of it, but the fourth quarter was a lot of fun. You know, you look back at last season, I I know there was a lot of frustrating games. I remember the the finish in Madison was a heartbreaker. But at least for that one night, that was a feel-good moment for the program. And, uh, you know, maybe that's something that they used to build on in the offseason to get ready for what's right now a really good campaign going on. It, It really was. Sometimes I think you have to learn how to win those games. They had beaten Illinois on the road, which Illinois wasn't great last year, but, you know, Nebraska winning a road game and then coming back. Really, those sophomores were learning how to play. Sam Hybe was a big part of, well, what are now the sophomores. Last year's freshman with Ashton Verbeek and Kayla Mershon and Leah Brown, um, finding out that they have to make plays down the stretch. And Sam did that. And to know that they could beat a team that, you know, Kenesha Bell was a WNBA draft pick and uh, Lindsey Whalen, uh, you know, had that team ranked in the top 20. So, that was a that was a, a program uh, win for those freshmen more than anybody, I think. Well, it was a big moment last season for the Oscars, and it's our moment number eight in 2019. Let's let's flip the script a little bit now to to, to current times, and what a start! Nine and one, Matt. One more non conference game to go. You you've had to have been impressed with what you've seen from this team during the the first month and a half of the year. I have, and it's, I'm going to get back to the defense. You know, we saw one quarter of good defense in that Minnesota game last year. We're seeing four quarters of great defense by this team every game, and I think it has a lot to do with this team growing up. Those freshmen are now sophomores. I talked to assistant coach Chuck Love on the 
uh, Nebraska Women's Basketball Radio Hour last night about asking Verbeek why she has earned starting time this year, and it's just about her defense. This team's going to go as far as they go based on their defense, and right now Kate Kane is playing the best she's had in her career. She's a shot-blocking machine. The team communicates. Nicia Eliley is a shutdown defender. But those freshmen have all grown up into sophomores. You take a look at Sam Ivey and Ashton Verbeek specifically, they are really, really good defenders. So this uh, great start is as much to do with their defense as anything. Well, one more non-conference game left. The Jaspers will be here for a Sunday matchup and and then a little bit of a break. And here come the conference games. It's going to be fun. I think you're going to have a, a fun couple of months calling that uh, that team Coat, and I, I know you, you and Jeff are certainly looking forward to league play here in a couple of weeks. We are. Uh, I cannot believe that Big Ten play is uh, right around the corner. Iowa is uh, down a little bit without Megan Gustafson, but they're going to be a tremendous uh, rival to start things off on the 28th. Very good. It'll be here before you know it. Coat, we appreciate it. Thanks for going down memory lane. Whether that was a fun one, let's hope we make some more for 2020 coming up here in a few weeks. Absolutely. Thanks, Sharpie. Sports Island here. Last couple of minutes of the program tonight. Big Ten basketball going on in Evanston, Illinois. Michigan State trying to become the first team in Big Ten basketball play to win a road conference game. Everybody's only played two games, so it's early. But so far, all of the games have been won by the home teams. Spartans are up six inside the last ten seconds. They should get that done and go to 2-0. and That would leave Northwestern at 0-2. And the other 12 teams, 1-1. One and one. Remarkable. It may be a little uh, foreshadowing of what we're going to see in January and February from Big Ten hoops. But the uh, Spartans look like they're going to break that streak of no road teams winning in league play. Huskers back on the hardwood on Saturday, 5 o'clock at PBA against North Dakota. There's graduation going on at PBA earlier in the day, and that's why the late afternoon start for Husker Hoops. So they'll take on North Dakota, and then the guys will break for about a week before coming back after Christmas to get ready for Texas A&M Corpus Christi. The women will play Sunday afternoon against Manhattan. We had Matt Cotney on a little bit earlier on tonight talking about our game number eight, which was that thrilling come-from-behind victory over 23rd-ranked Minnesota last year at PBA. Not a ton of great wins last year for Amy Williams' squad. I think there's a bunch more coming this season, though. But that one certainly was a special moment. We'll continue that countdown tomorrow night. Also, tomorrow night, Scott Frost, head football coach, in studio for an hour. We'll be talking about the recruiting class. We'll be talking about uh, the – we'll go back, recap some of the season, looking ahead to the 2020 campaign, his thoughts about all things Husker football related. So all that coming your way to, tomorrow night with the head football coach in studio again between 7 and 8, hour number 2 of Sports Night. Looking forward to that. And as always on Thursdays, we have Teddy Greenstein of the Chicago Tribune that will be here as well. Sparty has done it. They finally cracked a victory for a road team in the conference. And so now 13-1 and of the home teams in Big Ten conference play. And that's the last Big Ten basketball game for a couple of weeks now. A lot of teams jump back in some non-conference games this weekend and then right after Christmas before diving back into league play when we get into the first of the year. So you had that going on tonight. Again, a good day for Oscar football recruiting. 22 scholarship athletes signed their national letters of intent. 19 walk-on commitments into the program. Really good day for Oscar football. A nice influx of talent, both Huskers 24-7 and the rival sites have Nebraska's class inside the top 20. That's remarkable 
for a team coming off of a 5-7 and seven season. You can't find anybody else that's had the last couple of years on the field doing that kind of damage in the recruiting battles. And Nebraska staff should be committed for some terrific work over the last couple of weeks. That'll put a wrap on tonight's show. My thanks to Ben, to Josh, to Brett, and to all of you for being a part of this one tonight. Enjoy your night. We have more sports on the headed way tomorrow night. Our hotline brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. Have a great night.